House Flipping HQ Podcast, Episode 12. This, this, this is the House Flipping HQ Podcast. Giving you the strategies, techniques, and inside secrets of house flipping from today's top house flipping experts. House Flipping HQ. Your ultimate house flipping resource for intelligent real estate investing and financial freedom. Now, let's get flipping with your host, Justin Williams. What's going on, everybody? I hope you've had a flipping fantastic week, ready for Christmas, ready for a new year. Just wanted to make a couple quick announcements before we get going on the interview I do with Ryan, the Marketing Machine Scala. Boy, does he deliver. He presents some things that I've never heard before from a marketing perspective. We talk a ton about direct mail, the message you should use, how you should use it, wholesaling. It's an incredible interview. Uh, I'm just going to call these mini courses from now on. I mean, These guys aren't just doing an interview. They're just laying it out there. We do a different format. He had a bunch of stuff prepared. Just killed it. So considering uh, these calls are getting very long, you know, originally I planned on them being anywhere from half hour to an hour max. What I've decided to do is from now on, I'm going to do a bi-weekly podcast and I'm going to be Uh, dividing these interviews up into two parts. So this episode will be coming out on a Wednesday and part two will come out on Friday. So that's a new format we're going to try out, uh, but expect two episodes per week. We're going to be dividing these up because there's just so much information in each one. And I know a lot of you guys are driving to work and I just think it'll be a better way to divvy it up. So that's announcement number one. Announcement number two as you all know, we have an incredible competition going on with Robert Fergoso. Uh, that competition is supposed to end on Thursday, December 19th, uh, but that's tomorrow. So we're going to go ahead and extend that through the end of the week. So that competition will end on December 21st, the Saturday, depending on when you're listening to this, but December 21st, 2013. Go to houseflippinghq.com slash episode 11, and all you need to do is in the comments section, write one thing that you are going to do in the next week to either begin or improve your house flipping business. We're looking for things very direct, very specific. It might be related to making offers. Maybe you're going to call and contact a few agents, uh, work on your marketing campaign. We're looking for things that are going to lead you to direct action, uh, profit generating activities, not just read a book or get your business cards ready. Something that's really going to create a potential money making opportunity for you because that is the goal here, right? So head over there, housewifinghq.com slash episode 12. The winner of this competition will be joining Robert and myself and 15 to 20, the country's most successful house flippers at an upcoming Clippers basketball game at the Staples Center at the Hyde Lounge. Now, if you're not familiar with the Hyde Lounge, I know I wasn't up until a few weeks ago when I was invited to go. Uh, It's a really cool place. I mean, it's like $5,000 to rent this place out. You know, it's at uh, Staples Center and it's just really cool watching the game from there. I mean, they had all kinds of good food, but the bottom line is you'll be there with me and Robert, as well as 15 to 20 incredibly successful house flippers. You'll be able to network with these guys. We're going to introduce you to everybody. We're going to talk to you about your plan, where you're at, what's going on, everything. So if you can't make it to the game, you know, if you're out really far away and just can't make it, then, and you win the competition, what we'll do is Robert and myself, will go ahead and get on a, a call with you. We'll probably do a you know, a couple 20 to 30 minute calls and we'll just kind of give you some consultation and see where you're at and, you know, kind of make some goals with you and then do a follow-up. I also wanted to make you aware that we do another competition with Ryan. 
Uh, so you will hear about that competition at the end of his episode, which will be the end of episode 13, since this is part one of the Ryan Marketing Machine Scala interview. And then part two is where we, we talk about the competition we'll be having with him. So stay tuned for that at the end of episode 13. All right. And with that, let's get flipping, or should I say marketing and wholesaling with Ryan Scala. Hey, hey, what's going on, my fellow House Philippians? Yes, that's right. We are creating a new culture here at House Flipping HQ. Uh, we are all Philippians from the land of Flippistan, and we speak <laughs> Philippi uh, House Flippin. I don't know. Anyway, this is getting really weird. Okay, let's let's move on to our guest for today. I am super super pumped about our guest for today. I actually um, have been trying to get him to come on ever since I launched the show. I had to imply like dating tactics to, to get him to come. I mean, first, it was kind of like full court press. And then I had to play a little bit of hard to get, you know, he, he would reach out to me and I'm like, yeah, whatever. And, you know, so <laughs> finally got him committed and he is ready to uh, just share a ton of content with us. In fact, you know, we're going to follow some of our regular outline, but he is going to, he's prepared a bunch of stuff and I'm excited. I'm not even sure everything is going to share, but he said, uh, he told me to have my, what did you tell me to have my, uh, put some extra tape in your tape put recorder, put some extra tape in my tape recorder. <laughs> so this should be a good one. And I'm excited to hear what he has to say. So Ryan has been investing since 2004. And, you know, I actually, when I first moved down from Bakersfield to Southern California, he's one of the first guys that I started to learn a ton from. He had an investment club that he co-hosted and a, he did actually did a weekly show. It's funny that I'm interviewing him now. Uh, he did a, a weekly call every Friday and, uh, you know, him and his partner would just hop on the line and it was just, they would just go for it and just answer questions. And I didn't even realize how much I had learned until uh, recently. I was just talking to somebody and I'm like, yep, learned that from Ryan, learned that from Ryan. So... <laughs> So I'm, I'm incredibly grateful. Um, so uh, without any further ado, let's get this house flipping party started. I present to you Ryan, the marketing machine, Scala. How are you doing, Justin? <laughs> I am doing amazing, Ryan. Well, as you said, you know, you throw enough money at somebody and they'll end up on your call eventually. <laughs> <laughs> totally. <laughs> I'm, glad, I'm glad to be here. I'm glad to contribute. To that. <laughs> I, don't, I don't do stuff like this much anymore, so I'm glad to, glad to be able to give back. And share some of the breakthroughs that I've had lately. Yeah, Ryan is pretty tight-lipped, generally speaking. So we're super excited to have him on. This is going to be a rarity. I mean, we're, we're going to be able to sell this thing for thousands of dollars. So <laughs> This is the start of the uh, Justin and Ryan home study course right here. Exactly. <laughs> so, so Ryan, before we dive into all the mind-blowing information and insights you're going to share with us, why don't you give us a little bit of your background so we can all... Uh, you know, know a little more about you and where you came from and know that you just didn't, you weren't born from the womb, a, a mad wholesaling house flipping machine. I was, I was anything but I'm very, very averse to sales. Actually, my background really was in software. So I'm pretty, uh, you know, we're working a pretty, used to working in a pretty isolated environment and that's what the world that I came from. But what was kind of cool is that when I got into real estate, I was a lot able to bring a lot of those, uh, skills, uh, data analytics and, uh, programming and things like that into my real estate business. And, you know, some of it I think is a hindrance knowing how to do too much and other parts of it, of course, have been a huge benefit. So um, I, I think I took the best parts of, of that industry and brought them over to real estate with me. I love that you you took what you had and you went with that and added to that. I just yeah. see, I see so many people, they find a way to not make it happen. And it sounds to me like you found a way to make it work with the skills that you had. So that's, that's awesome. I, I did. And it was kind of funny. So you were talking about, you know, that I used to run a, a monthly real estate club with a former business partner of mine. We did a panel, I don't know, maybe it was a year ago, year and a half ago. And I think you may have been on it. I've been and on a one, couple, yeah. And one, one of the questions was, how did, how did you get started? What books did you read? And the, the one unanimous uh, response <laughs> that I remember on that panel was, do you remember what it was? Everybody read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Pretty much. But do you remember what I said? You did not. Well, I, I have read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, actually, but th they asked what book has everybody read recently, actually, or what ah. got them going. And my response was, well, I've read about three books this year and I mean, one book this year, and it was one third of three books. So that's how uh, how focused <laughs> I, I am on uh, 
on my book reading. And <laughs> I do remember that. <laughs> it's like I, I would finish part of the book and I'd be like, OK, I, I get it. I get the point, you know, do this. And then I'd say, OK, now I'm going to go buy another house. <laughs> it's like I can either read this book or go buy another house. <laughs> Makes sense. <laughs> yeah. So I, you know, when I was in, I was in software, somebody, I, I, Rich Dad was going around and um, he was, you know, probably on TV at the time and, you know, all over the place. And I, I ended up with a copy of the book. I remember that was in October of 2003. I was uh, on vacation at the time. I had the book with me, read the whole thing in like two or three days, which, you know, not, not a tough read, but I, I got it. I saw that what I was doing, you know, the road that I was headed down and I didn't, I wasn't happy with that anymore. So I, uh, I was doing, you know, private uh, software development at that time. The company that I was working for had gone out of business about a year before. So I ended up on my own. And, um, so that was October, 2003, October, 2004. I got uh, business cards printed up that said Ryan Scala, real estate investor, and that was it. <laughs> nice, nice. I like it. That was, that was the start of it. So, like, fulfillment, <laughs> right? I mean, you you got the cards and you told yourself, "This is what I am." So you believed it. I like it. Yeah, yeah I remember it's funny. I, I gave after I got them printed up, I gave them to a friend of mine, and he, he kind of looked at the card and he's like, "Oh, that's what you're doing I'm, now." Yep, uh, right. And I, I said, "Yep, that's what the card says." <laughs> I love it. <laughs> well, go going off of Rich Dad Poor Dad, I didn't realize you were going to say that's kind of how you got started, but I actually did. I almost forget. I read that actually when I was still just graduating high school. I don't know. I think my parents had like an MLM they were doing and someone gave it to them. <laughs> so I do think that was kind of ingrained in me from an earlier age, maybe. And that, that was probably a huge part of it. But that has been a game changer. I mean, everybody, it's like, yeah, everyone I talked to, a ton of them have started that way. So yeah, for sure, a, a great read. Yeah. So uh, as you mentioned, I'm coming up on my 10 year mark, which is kind of hard to believe. Um, wow. It's <laughs> it's a long time. <laughs> Somebody just asked me last night, how long have you been flipping? And I said, nine long years. <laughs> <laughs> It's a fun business. I, I like it. But, you know, I've I started in 2003 here in California. There's, you know, a, a huge run up and then everything crashed. So I've been rich. I've been bankrupt and I've been everywhere in between. I've seen, you know, I've had the, the benefit now. I've seen both spectrums of, of market cycles and, you know, I'm still here. So I, I think that says something. I love it. No, that's that's huge. And so many people, you know, we have who are successful. They all have had whether it's big or small or medium they've all had successes and failures. And a lot of times the failures are more often than the successes. But as long as, I don't know, I, I feel like you can fail 90% of the time and still have more success than failure, if that makes sense. Something I'm gonna have to work that out, how that works, but it just does. <laughs> you know, one of my favorite sayings is, I, I've been told it's a Japanese proverb, um, fall down eight, stand up nine. And I, I love that saying because if you just get up one more time than you fell down, you win. Exactly. Love it. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. So uh, I mentioned uh, I started in 2004. Um, I got my business cards in January 2004. I think I bought my first house in May of uh, 2004. I bought it subject to um, I made more on my first deal than I did my entire previous year in software. Nice. And I was just, I was hooked. I mean, it was like, you know, deal, go get another one, go get another one. Keep in mind, this was 2004 all the way yeah. up into 2006. I think, totally. you know, I still haven't made good profits in 2007, but I ended up losing quite a bit that I bought in like uh, 2008. I think I lost everything I bought in 2008. It took me a while because, you know, I don't give up. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Totally. I don't know when to quit, but um, yeah, so I ended up losing everything, but, uh, you know, got turned around. I got some help from uh, some people who were way more experienced than I was and who had been through down cycles previously and um, was able to turn around and, you know, here we are. I love it. And I know you're going to get into this a little bit, but I see the things that you're doing today. I mean, I hope you're okay with me disclosing this, but, you know, Ryan and I are actually, we're doing a lot of business together right now, which is pretty cool. You know, he contacted me, what was it, like three months ago? And you had actually spoken to, you had lunch with another wholesaler who wholesaled me properties. And I think he mentioned to you the lunch that I had with him. Right where I gave him a hand, a fistful of uh, Ben Franklin's. Yes. <laughs> and that, that was, <laughs> that was, I'll tell you what, you know, that, that will get somebody's attention. I don't care who you are. <laughs> you, you hear a story like that and you just, you, you got a call. <laughs> and that was after I had already paid him his whole selfie. And after we had closed on the deal. Right. And we did better than we thought. And I thought, you know, he gave me a great deal on this and I met him for sushi and, you know, dropped him 30 Ben Franklin's and, Talk called me a lot more since then. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and it, to, you know, to your credit, that really stood out to me. Um, it was after the fact, you guys had already made your deal and you still went back and, and gave them a little extra because you did better than you thought you did. I, that said something to me about, you know, the type of business person you are. Well, that to me, I mean, the number one importance for me is 
to close and do what I say I'm going to do. But then also my goal is to make my wholesalers make as much money as possible. And I know if they are making as much money as possible, they're going to continue to come back to me. But it goes into the whole abundance mentality. I mean, a lot of people trying to cut people down on their wholesale fees. And yeah, you know, it's just, I don't know, it just isn't my thing. So hopefully that can be a lesson someone can. And then on top of that, now I'm working with you. Right. And, you know, we talked about how, so in three months, you know, I was like, I had to ask you, Vanessa, how many deals have we done with Ryan? <laughs> and it's been 10. But what's interesting is, you know, we've kind of slowed down here a little bit in the holidays and we have a lot in the pipeline. So really in about two months or so, we've probably done about 10 deals. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you came to my house a few weeks ago and we, we talked about, I mean, I think we can take this stuff big. I mean, it's just really interesting that if you're creative and you figure out the right system, you can do some crazy stuff. And I, I don't know, I'm, I'm just excited i'm getting giddy but oh and then and then you know our so the first deal we we have in the pipeline we a couple days ago as you know i just told you this today mm -hmm. we put it on the market one day cash offer 15 day close and way more than we expected to get and this is in december you know right so when, and then when we, you can't sell houses right <laughs> exactly and you just told me about another one that uh you tied up today so it's just really cool i mean and it's a huge win i mean so the house that we put in our contract yesterday, you don't have to give the exact details, but you wholesaled it to me. Mm -hmm. Are you going to do pretty well on that? Um, I mean, did, you do, one, did you do pretty well on it? On the one, the one, the one that we, you don't want to say where it is, but yeah, the one, <laughs> no, the one that I, that we um, just put under contract two days ago I, that we have yeah. a buyer for. Yeah, that was, you know, as a wholesaler, you get the little wins, you get the base hits every, you know, th those are the ones that keep the business running and keep food on your table. But every once in a while, you just get this call out of the blue that you just, you can't believe what's on the other end and you, you know, it's going to be a home run. That was this deal. Um, so, you know, without talking about numbers too much, I, I got a fee on the front and we were kind of unsure of the value at the time yeah. that I sold it to you. And um, I don't remember what the numbers were. I think we, I knew it was worth at least 250, maybe it was 260. Uh -huh. And I, I made a deal with you guys where if you sold it for Maybe it was two sixty. Um, I got another five, and if you sold it for two seventy or two seventy five, I got another five, and then you guys, you know, got all the yep. the back end from that. And it, that was yep. that was on top of the fee that I got on the front end. And I I was real confident in, in the value of that property. I knew you know who I knew whoever bought it because I, I you were not the first person I don't think that uh, that I ran it by, but you were the first person that said yes. And I just, I knew whoever bought it was going to do well on it, um, and I was willing to share some of that risk as far as my payday was concerned because I just I, I knew it was a good deal. It's a good area. It was a good house. And that was a great way. I mean, you got paid really well in the beginning, like you said, but it was a great way to allow me to buy a house and feel very comfortable about it. And then hey, if there's some upside, I don't care. I'm happy to give that to you. And somehow, you know, we got even more upside. So I'm going to do even better. You're going to do even better. It's just huge win-win. So anyway, I don't mean to go off on tangents too much. I just hope people see the power of working with other people. And I'm not talking like full-time partners, you know, I'm just talking about the power of, of doing these joint ventures and figuring out ways that you can work with people in a win-win uh, manner. And I don't know anyone who has make, can make money without other people. Do you? You know, I, I tried, <laughs> I, you know, to my detriment, I, I try and it just, it's a lot easier when there's other people involved in your business. I just, the one thing I'm, I'm really averse to is employees, but I, I do like having partners and, you know, and vendors and joint venture type deals all going around. Yeah, for sure. But you did recently hire an assistant, correct? I was pushed and prodded and <laughs> cajoled into hiring an assistant because it's time for, for me to get out of my own way. Yes. Um, at, at Justin's very strong urging. And of course, also from your great example, um, you know, one of the things I'm going to talk about is I've always understood this about business. You, you can leverage people or you can le leverage systems. Uh, I've heard and I just personality wise, I know that I'm computer background. I'm much better at leveraging the systems than I am the people, but it's, I've just, I've reached now, um, you know, there's two kinds of problems that people can have in, in business. You either have a marketing problem or you have a capacity problem. Yep. That's it. Yep. So I fixed the marketing problem and very quickly ran into a, a capacity problem. It's just, it's me and my wife, you know, trying to run the show and it's just, there's only so much time in the day and there's only so much stuff that I want to do. So, uh, yes, I finally hired my first part-time assistant. <laughs> nice. Well, I know how good you are with systems and marketing and negotiating. And so I knew you were spending some of your time on some of this paperwork and I'm just like, I mean, it's, it's partly selfish. You know, I, if you help other people, it'll help you as well. Right. If, you do it in a business-like way, you know. <laughs> I, anyway, I, I won't go off on a tangent there. But I saw this and I'm like, I think Ryan can three or four X the amount of business that 
he's doing, which means the amount of business I'm doing with him I, right. by changing some of these things up. So I'm I'm really excited about that. So anyway, I didn't mean to, and we're going off, but I think it's good content <laughs> here. So let's go ahead and let you get into your, I don't want to steal your thunder. Let's get into, uh, you know, some of the things that you were, I think you were talking about uh, hitting the reset button. What did you title that you were going to talk about? Actually, I, I changed it. You know, what I, what I thought would be a good fitting title for this podcast would be discover the next evolution in your business. Love it. Let's do it. This is great. <laughs> I mean, de- December, like before the new year, I think it's good time to uh, start thinking about that kind of stuff. So let's do it. it. It is, you know, and actually now that you mentioned that, I find myself doing that at the end of every December. I kind of sort of mentally shut down my business, even though, you know, there's still stuff in escrow, things All are right. coming and going, but um, I, I sort of mentally shut down shop the last two weeks of December. Okay. And I, I go back, I look at my results, I retool, I do make plans, written plans for the next year. I don't know anybody who's successful that doesn't have something in writing that they're, you know, that they're out to accomplish. For sure. Yeah. So that's, that's kind of been an annual thing for me. I just started a little bit early this year. <laughs> awesome. All right. Let's, let's get into it, man. Let's get into it. So I'm, uh, one of the things I wanted to mention is, you know, why I'm qualified to be on this call. I'm rapidly approaching the hundred house mark, which nice. over 10 years is, we're only talking about 10 deals a year. But what's really interesting about that is 20% of that has been in the last six months. So awesome. I figured something out. I did something right. Um, and that's, that's where, where we're going to talk about. And today. That sounds kind of where I was a couple of years ago. I mean, for four and a half years, you know, I had a just a minimal amount of deals and then all of a sudden something happened and just been cranking ever since. So I, I yeah. love it. Let's do this. All right. So when I was, this was kind of funny actually. So when I was preparing for this call, um, I, I, you know, I, I started coming up with an outline and things that I was willing to share, things that I'm not willing to share. Um, but what I, I realized as I was getting ready for this is that a lot of my business is based on things that I don't want to do. And that's how the the structure and the, you know, the the systems that I have in place are really, it's not really so much based on the amount of money I want to make, but it's more of the things I don't want to do. So, and, and we're going to talk about later, we're going to talk about why that's important. Here's some of my, here's some of the things on my list. I, I don't want to get up early. I don't want to sit in traffic. I don't want to go to an office. I don't want to look at houses. I don't want to meet with sellers in their stinky houses. <laughs> and I don't want to write big checks to buy houses. That, that was just my, my short list of things that I did not want in my business. And personally, I found that sometimes it's easier to define something by what you don't want than what you do. That's just me. No, I, I couldn't agree more. And it's interesting. <laughs> you laid it out so well, I because I truly believe that you vision how you want to live your life. Some people are surprised, like how, I don't understand how you don't look at houses. How, you know, they'll ask me, how do you do these things? How do you not do these things? Cause it's cause I decided that right. and people will fight against that. Like when I tell a contractor, no, I'm not going to meet with you to do the scope of work. They'll kind of argue it. But after they, if you don't give into that, eventually they buy in and then you change their mindset as well. So yeah. Like, yeah. And ten- tenants is another one. I just, I don't want to take tenant calls. I don't want to deal with tenants too much. And I've figured out how to put systems in place to, to deal with those types of things as well. So love it. Um, the other thing I realized is that there's things that I'm not good at and I never will be. Um, <laughs> I am, I'm a poor verbal communicator and therefore I'm contrary to what you said at the beginning. I am not a good negotiator. I'm not good at communication. I'm not good at negotiating. I'm not stupid. It just, I would rather talk to my dog than a room full of people. <laughs> and, you know, given that lack of skill, I'm also not good at managing people. And that goes back to being a, a poor communicator, I think. So that's why, you know, for the last almost 10 years now, I've gone without staff and I've, I've done everything on my own. I've just, but I've really just lately hit, hit a ceiling and I kind of got to you know, give into that. See, that's really interesting. I'm horrible with technology. I'm horrible <laughs> with things, but I, I'm a talker. I'm a gabber. So yeah. I, I think the one thing that I'm good at is getting other people to do things for me. <laughs> so yes, yes, you are. <laughs> hence why you bring me lots of deals. And <laughs> that's how I end up on your call. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so I love it though. Find what you're good at and focus yeah. there, but and branch out. And so the other thing, you know, is that, that sort of defines my business and this you mentioned things that people overlook and they're, or, or they don't believe. One of my, what's the word I'm looking for? Precept maybe is the word that I'm looking for that I wanted in my business is that I want to be able to go on vacation without having my world fall apart. Absolutely. And again, staff or systems, right? You can pick one, you can do both, a little hybrid of, of either one. But that was sort of the, one of the uh, founding principles of how I wanted to, you know, to run my business lifestyle. So that kind of led to this big discovery that I had earlier this year. Um, again, going back to the things that I don't like, I'm a guy who's easily annoyed. I don't like barking <laughs> dogs. I don't like people who are on the phone while they're driving. I don't like people who chew with their mouth open. One of my bigger pet peeves is this 
phrase, take your business to the next level. Uh-huh. It's so cliche. It's so ambiguous. It's, it's nondescript, right? What, what does that even mean? Take your business to the next level. And I just, I remember I was sitting in a, in this presentation, it must've been a year and a half ago. And, and the guy just like, it was two days. And the guy just kept saying, take your business to, to the next level. And I was like, what does that even mean? And I thought, I'm going to figure out how to say that differently. And so that's what I came up with. I'm, I fancy myself somewhat of a wordsmith. I, I love copywriting. And I came up with, instead of take your business to the next level, how about discover the next evolution in your business? So the thing about the word here, discover, right? Discover, the word discover puts your brain into search mode immediately. Okay. Your brain's now looking for something, right? Okay. So an evolution is not necessarily the next step. Sometimes it's something completely different than what you started with. Totally. And when I looked up the definition of evolution, it's a, here it is. It's a, a gradual pro- process in which something changes into a different and usually more complex or better form. I love it. Interesting definition, right? So discover the next evolution in your business. So earlier this year, I was going through some transitions in my business and I was splitting off from a partnership and I just, I really had to kind of figure out, all right, strengths and weaknesses, you know, that, that whole deal. What am I good at? Now, what do I want my new business to look like? Um, Where can I really exploit what I've done in the past, uh, I guess, eight or nine years up until that point? So here was the big opportunity. I was kind of sitting here in my office by myself with uh, three years worth of data. So as, as you know, Justin, I'm a, I'm a huge direct marketer. I'm a huge mailer. I, I have not gotten through the, the call of the guy up in uh, Seattle who was also a mailer. So I don't want to, I hope I'm not making too bold of a claim, but I, I don't know anybody that does more mail than, than I do. I, I did, I've done a hundred thousand pieces a year for the last three years nice. and I don't, I, I didn't get through his whole call, so I don't know if I don't know if he talked to me or not. But I, well, he did sound hey, like he does quite a bit of if mail. If anybody thinks they've beaten out Ryan, let, let's hear it. Let, in let the me show know. Notes. Put, put it on Facebook or something, and let Justin know because I won't be there. Put it in the show notes under the, under the comments. <laughs> so, so what I had was, you know, I'm I had my quiet office, and I had three years worth of data, and now we're talking about three hundred thousand pieces of mail wow. tracked accurately. That's important, and about a hundred thousand dollars spent in getting that mail out the door. That's a lot of, a lot of data and a lot of resources. Um, I also had that when I say tracked accurately, I mean down to four decimal places. And I know that seems, mm, you know, overboard for, for a lot of people. What's that? (laughs) I said over analytical. (laughs) Over analytical. Yeah. But I'll tell you why that stuck. This is one of those things I brought in with me from my software background. So um, when I was in software, one of my last clients that I worked with was a, a shipping company and they did shipping containers between California and or Washington and Hawaii. And I remember sitting with one of the owners of the company and we're coming up with this custom software solution. And I remember he showed me on the, on the board he said, if, if I manipulate this number in our charges, it was a fuel surcharge and it was the fourth decimal place. Mm-hmm. He said, if I manipulate that number up one, we'll make an extra $20,000 a year. Wow. And I'm like, you know, I'm the programmer there. I was probably making 50,000 <laughs> 50, a year at the time. And that really stuck. That really made an impact with me. So I just, I've, I've taken that same level of minutia into my business and, and the type of stuff that I track. What it, I... It, what I found in my business is I have to almost make it like a game. I have to be almost over anal about certain things. Like let my employees know, no, I do not want to be carbon copied in that email. No, I, do, <laughs> I mean, uh. my mom works for me and she's, you know, she's, why, why can't I call you about this? Because I don't want to hear about it. <laughs> but if I call someone else, it's going to take twice as long. But eventually this anyway. But that's what you're doing. And I've heard you talk about your numbers and I get excited because I'm like, okay, so he does this and he sends this many and makes this much money off of it. You know, it works. You can't, right. you can't argue that data as to where someone who's like, uh, I'm not really sure. You know, it's just, so no, I, maybe I wouldn't go personally to the fourth decimal point, but I see your point. I mean, just being over sometimes you got to take it to that level to really make it be serious about it. So Sure, sure. And, you know, if you're mailing 100 letters a week, it's not going to make a difference. Let's, yeah, let's be frank true. about that. But when you're getting up to, when you talk about $100,000 or 300,000 pieces of mail, it matters. It yeah. matters. And I'll, I'll show you why when I get into some of my stats here. So um, so I had this three years worth of data, um, also responsible for a million dollars in profits, cash and equity over that three years. So there's, it's significant also. Um, so I, I took the, the time frame here was not intentional, but I took five months this year, as my wife says, sharpening my axe. I just kept pouring over this data, pouring over this data, you know, mountains of records, all the deals of people that we actually had purchased houses from, what we made, 
who they were, why they sold to us, what we sent them, all this data. And I just kept looking over it for anom- uh, what I call uh, anomalies and commonalities. I'm, I'm looking for patterns in this data, right? Because nice. the, the more you look at this stuff and the more you try to mix and match it, stuff is going to start to sort of come to the surface and things are going to start to pop out at you. And, and they, it certainly did in my case. So also during that time, um, I spent about $20,000 on consultants, outsourcing, data processing, copywriting, design. And that was before I sent another piece of mail. So, you know, five months, 20 grand out the door and no money coming in because I hadn't put anything in the pipeline. Yeah. And that's what you call working on your business instead of just, (laughs) I I don't usually recommend people totally stop working in your business, but that's pretty cool. Pretty cool. Yeah. And I, you know, I'm I'm not real good at doing two things at once. That's another thing that I've, I've realized about myself as I've hit 40. (laughs) I'm I'm much better if I can just, (laughs) I can, (laughs) yeah, if I can just focus and that's at, at the end of five months when I had my results back, it was really something quite amazing. And like you said earlier, I knew this was no longer a guessing game. I knew that when I put mail out the door, I was going to buy a house with, with awesome. my new numbers, with my new results, because I had, there was no reason it wouldn't work. What was also interesting though, was that when I, um, when I kept looking at this data, these uh, commonalities started sort of coming to the surface. I just, I kept looking at these numbers and I thought if I improve this number, it'll affect this. And so these, at the same time, I started hearing this concept called uh, uh, key performance indicators or KPIs is, is what they were calling them. And this is as I was going through this process. And so what a KPI is, it, it's the most critical things that have to happen in your business to turn a profit. Every business has those, right? You can really boil it down to just a few core activities that put money in the bank and everything else does not matter. Yep. I agree completely. And as you and I have talked about, it's, those are the things that we should, we as business owners should not be doing. Yep. I won't go off on a tangent again, but (laughs) yes, I agree. (laughs) So if you're Walmart, you're one of your KPIs might be, uh, how many EBT cards did I swipe this week? If you're McDonald's, it might be how many hamburgers did did you sell today? Here's mine. And here's what I boiled my entire business down to. How many offers did you send this week? It. That's it. There's nothing, it. nothing else matters. Nothing else has, brings any results, puts yep. money in the bank. How many offers did you send this and week? People know that I harp on offers all the time. I get yeah. emails every day about people wanting to find a lender, figure out what software to use. I'm like, have you made any offers? And the answer is always no, go make some offers first. <laughs> Yes, nothing in, at least in the real estate business. And you know, you, you might notice, I'm not going to talk a lot about real estate and how we do deals and deal structuring because I'm not really interested in that anymore. God, I don't get excited about that. I love the marketing. Yeah. Yep. I love the marketing. That's what drives me in the morning awesome. is, is getting up and figuring out how to get people to pick up the phone and call me. So, but so like I said, I, I boiled that down to if, if I just send four offers a week, that's one a day and a bonus one on Friday, I'm done. But it wasn't just the, the results of that was not just I would make as much money as I made last year. I would quadruple what wow. I made last year. That's crazy. That's okay, crazy. So let's That's, break that down. How does how does that work? So in our in my business, I'm just going to speak for myself. We have five KPIs. Okay. And it's really as simple as this. It's um, how much mail did you send? How many calls did you generate? You're writing this down? Yeah, I am. <laughs> <laughs> how much mail did you send? Send it to Vanessa right after this. <laughs> how many calls did that mail generate? Out of those calls... How many were worthy of writing offers on? Okay. And, and I'm going to give you a little tip on that. And uh, out of those offers that you wrote, how many deals did you get? Multiply the deals by your average profit and there's your ROI. Mine is what I figured out also during this analysis was at the time I was about 10 to 1. So for every, get, get this, for every dollar that I spent on mail, I would make okay. $10 in profit. Perfect. I'm now at 16. For every dollar that 16? I spend on mail, I'm going to make $16. Wow. Right. I always tell people, and I was once told that you should shoot for you know seven to ten times, and you were at ten, and now you're doing sixteen. I'm at sixteen, and my numbers actually tell that's in six months. Wow! So my numbers tell me that I'll actually I should be at uh, about twenty one dollars by by the end of a full year. So I really considered this the start of this new launch was in the middle of May of this year, and so I'm really giving myself till the end of May. What was, here's the thing that really just kind of blew me away, and I I'm still in a little bit of state of disbelief about this. You know, I, I ran, ran all these numbers and I, I figured out that if, wow, if I just do this, like I said, I boiled it down to four offers a week, I will quadruple my results. That's awesome. I'm at, uh, where's my number here? Oh, I'm at uh, 80, 88% of that goal in six months. <laughs> so it didn't take me a year. It didn't take me a year. It took me six months. So now the dilemma is, wow, what do I do for the next six months? Because <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm almost done. We double it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, it, you know, it's kind of a, interesting um, inner game experience that was going on during that time. Four times the results 
feels pretty unrealistic when you've never had that kind of jump in your business before. Because I, I can write that down. I can even look at my numbers and I can say, yeah, this looks like I should make four times the money. But when you really quantify that, that's a huge leap in any business. Quadruple. Okay, We're talking about so, 400%. So help us understand a little more of, of how you did this. So I wrote down the four things. You wrote mail, calls. Um, five things. Oh, the five. five. Okay. Five things. What's Mail, calls, offer, deals, average profit. Okay. So what you did is how many, I mean, how many offers do you have to make to get a deal accepted? Oh, I knew you were going to ask me that. Um, I don't have my computer on. I, I think I'm at, so here's, let me, let me give you a sort of a industry standard. Let's back up to the phone calls for a minute. Industry standard. I don't know where I picked this up years ago, but I always heard that if you made, if you got 30 phone calls, you're going to buy a house. And I've always kind of used that as a benchmark. Okay. And, and this know. is in, in direct marketing. We were at, um, this three years worth of data, we were at um, about 32 or 33. So I was right there for whatever reason, whatever that benchmark that somebody pulled from the air a, f- a few years ago, yep. that, that's where we were. I was, I was about 32 or 33 calls. I'm now at, um, I don't have my official report in front of me. I think it's 11 or 12. So for every 11 or 12 phone calls that come through, I buy a house. Wow. Out of those at 11 or 12, uh, I believe it's eight of them are good enough to write an offer on. Some of them, so here's, here's my new, here's one of my new strategies that I, or, you know, rules that I implemented in my business when part of this transition was that there's only two things we're going to do. We're either going to write an offer on it now, or it's going in the trash. Before we used to, you know, follow up and check back in a few months and, you know, see if they're, you know, motivated now. And we, it was just a completely different way of handling things. Now it's, you're getting an offer, you're going in the trash period. So this is kind of the 80 20 rule, like you talked about, and you're, yes. you're focusing you're just taking everything that you do with all your time and trying to use your time to your best results. So you're ignoring offers that are a waste of time. It's like, if this guy's not motivated, I'm not wasting my time. Actually, that's the complete opposite. I, now I, I'm not fishing for motivation up front. Okay. The, the objective is, I don't care what they say when they call, get, get an offer in front of them. The, the ones that don't get an offer are usually like, for some reason, they ended up on my list and they have no equity. That's just, there's no opportunity there. I'm not chasing short sales and I don't even have anybody that I, that I refer those to. They just go right in the You trash. just don't waste your time with that. And we, we do the similar things. I'm like, you know what? We could find this person and help with this and that, but we just, let's just save our time. So that's, that's awesome. Yeah. So, okay. So you're sending out the mail. What can you share with us about um, the kind of mail you're sending out? I'll get into that a little bit. I'm not going to talk too much about the marketing because that's pretty much my secret sauce. But yeah, I, I'll tell you I know. <laughs> We've talked about this. <laughs> yes, I know. <laughs> but I'm still going to try to get everything out of you that I can, right? I know. <laughs> so I know you have a, a couple things that, and it makes sense. I mean, it's like, okay, I'll tell people about direct mail, but it doesn't make sense. And I believe in abundance, but I'm not going to send you the exact letter that I use and the houses I send them to, right. nor am I going to give you the names of my realtors and where I, I mean, it's just, that's just silly. Or here's my private money lender. He has a hundred grand. Why don't you go use it? You know, <laughs> we'll teach you the exact concepts, everything. You, and the truth is that's not going to teach you to be um, able to do this on your own anyway. So yes, I understand. Uh, what do you not, you haven't even told me, I can't even get you to tell me you have certain parameters for your list. I know that you have a specific list that you use and you won't tell me about it. <laughs> what can we get so, out of you, Ryan? Come on. This is all right. Great. Let's talk about direct marketing. Um, so again, I, these results that I pulled and being able to quadruple what I made the year before was plausible given the data and the results that I had. So here's, here's one of the biggest shifts that I ever had in my business. And this happened to me probably about three years ago. For me, it was realizing what business I'm really in. Um, and I, again, being on a real estate call, people may not want to hear that, but I, I'm not in love with houses. I don't even really care about real estate, but what, what it is for me is real estate is the best opportunity that I found to apply my skills and make the most money. And I've, I've I mean, said that before time and time again, I, people know I don't look at my houses. So obviously I'm not in love with the house itself. I'm in love with what it can provide. And, and I do like the systems. I like get, it, it's pretty fun. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm I'm more of a business owner versus a real estate investor. I'm yeah. I'm not good at getting all. You're pretty good at a lot of this creative stuff. I'm not. <laughs> I don't even own a financial calculator. <laughs> Actually, I own a couple, but they're like back there somewhere. They're they're dusty. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm just I'm I'm strictly here for the money. So that was one of the biggest mental shifts for me was realizing what business I'm really in. I'm not really in real estate. I'm really in marketing. And even to, you know, to even remind myself of what business I'm really in, I went and changed the, the name of, of my company with the secretary of state. It's, it's now legendary marketing. I always wanted to be reminded I am in the marketing business. I'm not, I'm not in real estate because, you know, like everybody else, it was so-and-so investments or whatever, whatever they're 
company name was, and it's really about marketing. So I was, that was probably one of the biggest shifts that happened for me. So we talked about the, the average phone calls to get a deal was 30. Um, here, was, here was a really big and disappointing factor that I discovered, and I'm not going to hammer on this too much. I just wanted to point this out because it, it was a big problem that I didn't even know what was going on. Out of all the mail that we sent, to keep, keep in mind, 100,000 pieces a year, mm-hmm. I discovered that in the previous year, my phone was being answered 36% of the time. Wow. Yeah. So 64% of the time, calls were either hanging up or going to voicemail. Not good. Okay. So I don't care what business you're in. If you want to make money, answer the phone. Okay. That's so you, you take your calls live. I do. Okay. Not awesome. personally, but I do. The calls are now answered live. So you don't take the, who takes the calls? I have an answering <laughs> service that I, that I outsource to. Okay. Okay. They're open 24 hours a day. I don't, I don't want to deal with that. And I, what I don't want to deal with even more so is, why are you sending me this mail? I'm going to call the government if you don't take me off your list because marketing's illegal. <laughs> so I am going to, I'm going to push you, but if you're uncomfortable, I think a lot of this you're willing to share. I just am assuming you're not. So we know you're sending out a ton of mail. Mm-hmm. Okay. Are you sending out, um, I know you're not going to tell us the exact list you're using. So everybody out there, just figure out a really good list to go with. But <laughs> I'm I know- going to get into lists a little bit. Oh, you will get into lists. Okay. Yeah. And when you get calls, you have it go to um, an answer service. You not you don't like to talk to these people, <laughs> which yeah, I don't either. I don't. I don't either. And even more so, you know, going back to lifestyle, I don't want to be on call twenty four hours For a day. For sure, you don't want to be interrupted at dinner. And okay. And there's nothing worse than that feeling than you're sitting at dinner with your wife and the phone's ringing yeah. and you know it's a seller and now you have this dilemma: do I answer the phone and make my wife mad or, yeah. or miss out on a deal? Oh, yeah, and you're not you don't run a business at that point. You have a, created a job for yourself, right? So yes. So you have a calling service take the calls. What kind of questions do they answer? Basic stuff um, about the property. I, I already know who they are because I mailed them and they're in our system. So I don't need to ask questions that are specific to that. Like, you know, are you calling on our newspaper ad or on your Yellow Pages ad? We, we know all that. That's Because why of the calling. phone number that they called, you know what marketing piece it was connected to. Yeah, because I have a big proprietary database that I know exactly what, what I sent them, when I sent them, down to four decimal places, when they got it. And so I know why they're calling as soon as the phone rings. Okay. That all that wow. stuff is tracked automatically in our system now. Again, maybe you know, you can look at that and call it overkill, but well, I'll show you why it's not. Well, don't um, worry, Robert, who we interviewed last week, he has a proprietary software I know he does. system too. <laughs> I know he does. I would <laughs> love to take a look at that. <laughs> I, I've heard him talk oh, about man. it before. And <laughs> I don't know what's yeah, up, he what's tracks up with some, you guys in your proprietary <laughs> software systems. <laughs> so, right. um, so that was a big one. So, and, and again, so there's no in between about when they call, um, making an offer or not making an offer or letting them sit out there. They either get an offer immediately or they, they're off the list and they're just, they go in the trash. You know, um, our mutual friend Mike is referred to sending offers as playing the lottery for free. And I, I really yeah, look at I it like that because that. it, and that, that's why I'm, I'm not, I don't care if they sound motivated on the phone because believe me, I have bought a ton of houses from people who you would never have guessed their true motivation when they called initially. You never really even find out until after the deal is done. It's like, oh, this is going on. You know, my, totally. my nephew's been living there and hasn't paid me for five months and now it's my problem. <laughs> totally. So I, ju- I just stopped looking. I thought, what does it matter? It's not helping me get more deals. Yeah. As far as are they motivated? Are they not motivated? And again, going back to being terrible at communication or at least verbal. I, I'm not going to try to fish that out. I know that's a weak spot for me. You know, I love what you said about it's like playing the lottery for free. Making offers is like playing the lottery for free. That's going to be a tweetable quote. But <laughs> um, because I look at people, I'm like, why aren't you making offers? It's like a free opportunity to make a big chunk of change. Right. I, anyway, I hope that motivates some of you out there. Go make those offers. Playing the lottery for free. I don't even gamble. <laughs> but, <laughs> but it's for free. It's not a gamble, never, right? There's no yeah. gamble. <laughs> I've, I've never dropped a, a dime on gambling a day in my life either, but All right. if there was, that's a good analogy if I've ever heard one. So, um, so that was one of the other things I changed is, you know, the, the number of offers that went out. The next step was, this is key. We talked about secret sauce. This is really it right here. It's to drill down on the best prospects. And that's what I spent that five months doing when I was looking at that data. It was who called, what did we buy, property characteristics, profile, you know, personality characteristics of the, the people that call demographics, which I'll, I'll talk about in a little bit. So here's a principle, and I got this from Dan Kennedy. It's you will only attract 
to the extent that you're willing to repel. I love it. I've heard Mike say that too. I, Have you? I love he it. He stole yeah. from me. <laughs> I believe it. <laughs> I'm just Sorry, Mike. I'm just kidding. <laughs> so think about that. That's a huge, a huge concept and actually pretty deep. You will only attract to the extent that you're willing to repel. That's as much about who not to market to yes. as it is who you should market to. Yeah. And so think about what everybody else is doing. They're just throwing mail up in the wind and hoping something sticks yep. and just having no idea first of all, who they're wanting to call them in the first place. You okay. got to go back another step before that yeah. and figure out who do I want to call me? Who's most likely to want to sell me a property that I can make money on? Okay. So that was one of the really key things that I'm looking for. And I, I when you look at any business, which I, I'd like to introduce you to the, the Ryan Scala School of Business. Here, here it is. Love it. Love I thought it. about this, right? I put some time into this. This applies to any business as well. We're here to get paid, right? Yep. Step before getting paid is you got to have stuff to sell. Yep. Step before that is you have to have someone to sell it to. Yep. There's no step before that. No. You have to know the who before you're going to get to the payday. And so, so when I realized that, to me, there's no more important place to spend my time in my business than on the who. Who, who, are, okay. we, who are we sending mail to? Okay. And that, that answer, by the way, and this is why I'm not going to answer it directly for you. <laughs> <laughs> One day, I'm going to get it. One day. And also because of the large number of people that are listening to your call. Um, <laughs> that answer is going to be different for everybody. Okay. Um, as a wholesaler in my business, I've found the answer to that for you could be completely different for, uh, you know, somebody who's got a, a slightly different model could be something completely different. Okay, let's give them a takeaway though. Okay. So you've been doing this a long time. You found out what works best for you. And for me, that might even be a little different, right? But what is, so someone's brand new at this business. Um, they want to start doing direct mail. Where do they start on that? Who? I mean, what questions they need to ask? Where do they go to find that information? What takeaway can we give them? Um, I don't need to know your exact where you, who you go to exactly, who you send it to, what area. Because yeah, that's silly to have like a thousand people sending to your same clients, right? But sure, yeah. Where could they start? What are some a few uh, takeaways where they could start and things they could look for? I mean, you know, you ask anybody and you go to a real estate club and people talk about doing mail. Everybody says I I, I mail absentees. Uh And that's pretty broad and way too broad, in my opinion, because you're wasting a lot of money. Yeah, that's pretty Uh, much what we do. Honestly, I run probably somewhere between 10 and 16 campaigns at any time. I'm usually running some sort of a split test. Um, but they're different list providers. Some are free, like from a title company. Some are paid, like from uh, Melissa Data or List Source. But I'm not just mailing absentees. I'm always looking for subsets um, of a list. Let me hold the rest of that answer because I, I do have a little, a couple okay. of notes on cool. that later. Cool. Um, so going back to the, uh, the direct marketing aspect of it, again, like this comes from Dan Kennedy, very you know marketing 101. But you got your message, market, and media match. And if if you get any of those wrong, you failed or you've left a ton of money on the table, even worse. Okay. Um, so the message is, again, the, the most important part. That's what are you going to say? Um, I think that part is important. I do enjoy the copywriting and trying to figure out how to motivate people through words and on paper. It's not the most important part. So okay. imagine like a three-legged bar stool, right? Okay. Um, the media is simply how you're going to get your message in front of them. So be it direct mail, TV, radio, paper ad, internet advertising. I've done almost all of those with the exception of radio and TV. Um, but I've, Penny Saver used to be my big game back in the day when I first got started. Nice. I just I had a Penny Saver ad that just, it just worked. It probably brought me about, I don't know, six deals a year. Wow. And it was like, <laughs> I, it was like 30 or 50 bucks a week. I mean, it just, <laughs> it just awesome. always worked. <laughs> The good old days. But it was it was a good ad. It was good copywriting and in front of the right prospects. So that's the next part of the three-legged barstool is the market. It's, it's the who. And that's the part where if you get it wrong, none of the other stuff matters. So you can, you know, go leave a billboard. I can go leave a billboard, a We Buy Houses billboard on your front door and think that, you know, oh, I got the right message and the right media, but I left it on your, yeah. your doorstep, Justin, and who cares? Yeah, I'd <laughs> still call Justin's, you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, come get this thing off my porch, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so here's, here's what we have. And I actually have this, it's on a, on a little sign on my wall, uh, always right in front of my desk. Who are you looking for? It, my, the question used to say, what are you looking for? And I realized it's not, what are you looking for? It's who are you looking for? Okay. You have to have this, the profile of your perfect prospect. Um, and like I said, nothing else matters if you don't get this right. So I asked this question earlier, and I, this is going to be different for everybody, but who's most likely to have a property that they want to sell that we can make money on? And so that's why when people say I, I mail absentees, 
they failed on this most important step because just because somebody owns a, has a different mailing address, this is what an absentee is, right? Just because somebody has a different mailing address than where the property is, doesn't make them a prospect. Doesn't mean that they have a house that they're interested in selling. Doesn't mean that they have equity. Doesn't mean that they have a problem you can solve. Yeah. Because we're here to solve problems, right? Yep. People only trade equity for peace of mind. Yep. It's, it's not about the house. It's not about the money. It's about the problem that they're having. Okay. So when I, so when I hear people say, oh, I mail absentees, that's just so broad. I know that they're going to burn out before they really make any real progress. Okay. Wow. Is that some good stuff or what? I know you're dying to hear the rest. Don't worry. It'll come out in episode 13. And boy, does Ryan deliver. If you think the first half was good, the second half gets even better. You can leave us any comments or questions at houseflippinghq.com slash episode 12. That's one, two. And we will be more than happy to get back with you on any questions that you have. Also, quick reminder about the competition with Robert Fergoso. Go to houseflippinghq.com slash episode 11 and leave your comment about what you're going to do to either improve, well, to either start or to improve your current housekeeping business. And the winner will be joining Robert and myself and a bunch of other incredibly successful real estate house flippers at the Staples Center to watch a Clippers game at the exclusive VIP Hyde Lounge. Also, I wanted to make one last announcement or one last push for everyone to have an opportunity to help a family in need this Christmas year. For those of you who don't know, our goal is to help five families this year for House Flipping HQ to help five families. All you have to do is go to com slash podcast and leave us an honest rating and review in iTunes. And we will be donating $10 for every rating and review we get up until December 20th. So we only have a couple days left. As of right now, we have 20 one review. So we need four more reviews over the next two days. And if we can do that, we will be able to uh, help those five families. If we get more, all the better. So please go to housekeepinghq.com slash podcast. If you or anyone you know has an iTunes account and loves the show, please leave us a hopefully five-star rating and review. And uh, we'll let you know how it goes with those families. And we're really looking forward to that. And thank you so much for your efforts in that. Really appreciate it. Just really means a lot to us uh, in more ways than one. So thank you very much. And with that, we come to a conclusion of another episode of the House Flipping HQ podcast. We will see you in episode 13 as we continue and finish our incredible mini seminar with Ryan Scala. Until then. This has been the House Flipping HQ podcast. Your, your ultimate house flipping resource for intelligent real estate investing and financial freedom. Check out amazing tutorials, blogs, how-tos, and other inspiring podcasts with house flipping experts at houseflippinghq.com. Houseflippinghq.com.